again, we do appreciate very much your being here this evening. We're glad that you're here, especially those of you who are visiting with us, and we wanted to invite you to come back and be with us every opportunity that you have. Please turn your Bibles to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. The text for our lesson is Galatians 6 and verse 9, where Paul says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'll begin by asking a question, why do you serve God? You say, well, that's a silly question. Are you looking for short-term physical benefits that you may receive? Or is there something much more important involved in it? Job was accused of serving God for what he could get out of it. Satan asked cynically in Job chapter 1 and verse 9, Does Job fear God for nothing? But God knew that Job would be faithful to him, whether it was to his advantage in the short term or not. I want to notice several things from Job chapter 1. In Job chapter 1 and verse 8, we read, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Well, Satan then asked God if Job feared him for nothing. He said that God had protected Job. Not only that, he protected everything that belonged to Job. Verse 10. In that same verse, Satan said that if God had, that God blessed Job's work and had made him very wealthy. So notice verse 11. Satan said, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So God gave Satan power over everything that Job had, except for himself. He couldn't hurt or do harm to Job. And Satan took full advantage of that opportunity. Have you ever had a bad day? <coughs> Larry's back there shaking his head no. <laughs> Bless his heart. What does it take for you to have a bad day? day. Perhaps you run over something, you ruin a brand new tire. Maybe you blow an engine. Maybe your crops are ruined in a flood. Maybe your house burns down. Maybe a loved one is accidentally killed. What does it take for you to have what you would call a bad day? As we look at this first chapter of Job, in verses 14 and 15, we find that Job lost all of his 500 yoke of oxen and his 500 donkeys, as well as the servants who were tending to them. Pretty significant loss, isn't it? same day a fire killed all 7,000 of his sheep 
and all the servants that were watching over them. Verse 16. In addition to those things, his 3,000 camels were stolen, and the servants who were tending them were also killed. But no sooner had Job learned of all of those things, all that terrible news, he got the worst news of all. A great wind destroyed his oldest son's house, killing his seven sons and three daughters, verses 18 and 19. How would you respond or react to a day like that? How many of us would just want to give up and quit or give up and die? What would you do if all of those things had happened to you in one day? And how would you feel toward God if all of those bad things happened to you? Let's notice what Job did. Verses 20 and 21 and 22. And Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked came, I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22 says, In all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Later on in Job chapter 2 and verse 3, we read, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Well, Satan wasn't ready to give up on Job. In verses 4 and 5 we read, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. In verse 6, The Lord said, Behold, he is in your hand. But spare his life. So Satan struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, verse 7. We can't imagine the pain and agony that Job was in. Some of you can probably relate to that somewhat. Maybe not to that extent, You've gone through a lot in your life. The Bible tells us Satan sat in the midst of ashes and scraped himself with a pot's herd, which was probably a broken piece of pottery. In chapter 2 and verse 9, we read, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Wives, I sure hope that you would be much more encouraging in such a dreadful situation. In verse 10 of chapter 2, Job said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? 
And again, we're told in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He said his wife was talking like a vile, wicked person. That was the last thing that Job needed at that time. He needed support. He needed someone to encourage him. What is our response to difficult situations? Maybe sometimes we feel like, well, I... I'm doing all the work and I, I'm working hard for the Lord. I'm doing everything I can and nobody else seems to be doing anything. Why does it all fall on me? Why do I have to do it all? Why doesn't someone else help? Our text is, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. When someone mentions the name Job to you, what is the first thing you think of? First word that we think of when we hear that name is a quality of character that every one of us needs. We need to learn patience, the ability to endure, the ability to hold on, to hold out, to bear up, to persevere. A patient person is a person who doesn't look at the immediate future, but he looks in the long term, like Abraham. We read in Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Abraham lived in tents for years and years and years. He didn't have a permanent dwelling. He didn't have a permanent home. But he waited for the city without, with foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Patient people are willing to wait in the long term for results even when the short term results or events do not seem to be working out God promises his people that eventually things are going to work out for us in Romans 8 and verse 28 Paul says we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose a patient person is a person who is willing to trust. He may not know what the future brings. But he knows who holds the future. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Job was blessed for his endurance. James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. James writes, My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen 
the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. God did not want those bad things to happen to Job. The Bible reveals the end that was intended by the Lord. What did the Lord desire for Job? The last chapter, Job 42 and verse 10. It says, The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job 42, verses 12 and 13. It says, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Job shouts out to us, be patient with God. God always fulfills his promises. Patience is one of the great biblical virtues. We read in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Whatever happens, don't lose heart. Whatever happens, stay positive. Whatever happens, maintain diligence through faith and, and patience. We will inherit the promises. In Hebrews 10, verses 35 through 39, the writer says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence. We can be confident in God's promises, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Whatever happens, maintain your faith. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. As we see all the ungodliness around us, it is discouraging. But Jesus says if we'll endure to the end, will be saved. So whatever happens, keep on keeping on. Farmers can help us learn valuable lessons about faith and patience. Working with living, growing things often brings about the most knowledge about patience and faith. Farmers have to have patience. They receive the reward at the harvest. They must be willing to wait for long-term results. The farmer gives and gives and gives, getting nothing in return until the harvest. 
James 5, verses 7 and 8. James says, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Farmers know about patience. Farmers also know about faith. They know that they will harvest only what they plant. It doesn't matter if it's corn or beans or wheat or milo or whatever it is. Whatever they plant, that's what they're going to reap. But they will only reap what they cultivate until the growing season is over. So farmers have to be people of trust. They must not lose confidence in what they have planted or they'll lose the harvest. They have to be patient and continually care for the crop. Paul writes in Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we need to cultivate the patience and faith of farmers. We need to learn to take the long view and not just the short-term view. In the short term, doing what's right may not always seem to work. And God's way may not always seem to be effective by man's standards of judgment. Dishonesty and wickedness sometimes seem to be profitable. Psalm 37 verses 1 and 2 says, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Oh, they may appear to prosper for a while, but it's not going to last. They're eventually going to reap what they sow, just like everyone else. Wise man Solomon observed that in this life, the race is not always to the swift. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11. He wrote, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. Life doesn't always seem fair. in the short term. But it will always be fair in the long term. We need to be careful not to take an accusing attitude toward God when it seems like he is indifferent to our problems. Sometimes we, are, we tend to say or think at least, Lord, I tried your way and it just as I expected it didn't work. My problems are just as big and just as bad as they ever were maybe even worse. Trying to do the right thing hasn't gotten me anywhere but in a worse situation. That kind of response is much like that of Moses. Moses went back to Egypt 
It seemed like all he could hear was criticism, complaining. The people who were murmuring and complaining evidently finally got to him. We read in Exodus 5, verses 22 and 23. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. You ever feel that way? One year in a VBS, I had to play the part of Moses, or got to play the part of Moses. It was very hard for me to speak that way to God. I had a difficult time with that. Moses was discouraged. Moses felt like this isn't working. What if Joseph had felt that way? Think of all the things that he went through. His brothers who were jealous of him, always giving him trouble at home, sold him as a slave. When he tried to be faithful to his master, Potiphar's wife falsely, falsely accused him. He was thrown in prison. And even in prison in a foreign land, he tried to be faithful to God. But Pharaoh's butler forgot about him. And he had to stay in prison for another two years. But through all of that, Joseph remained faithful. He knew that wherever he was, God was going to be with him. God promises us in Hebrews 13 and verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We should never draw premature conclusions about whether doing God's will is really beneficial or not. We need to wait until the end. Heaven will surely be worth it all. We must cultivate confidence in God's grace. After Paul was prayed three times that his thorn in the flesh might be removed, he wrote in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9 that God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do we have confidence in God's grace? If God doesn't remove the problems, he'll give us the strength to endure. We must cultivate confidence in God's faithfulness. Hebrews 10 and verse 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Our main emphasis needs to be on the end of the story. Not today, not tomorrow, but eternity. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to things that are before, ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was focused on the end of his life on earth. He was focused on the beginning of life in heaven. In Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24, he said, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. 
For you serve the Lord Christ. Don't worry whether your boss is treating you right or not. Don't worry about what your neighbors are doing. Don't worry about what other people are doing to you. You're serving the Lord. And he will reward the inheritance to you if you're faithful. Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 3 says, Therefore we also, since we are rounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, of the faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. I mentioned this morning that the joy that Jesus had as he went through that was, was all about knowing that he was saving souls. But a second reason that, that helped him to stay on that cross was he was thinking about us and our hardships. When life becomes difficult for us, we look back to the cross and see what Jesus did for us. He went through that so we can go to heaven. And we can endure our hardships so we can go to heaven as well. Heaven is worth whatever hardships, whatever sacrifices we have to make on this earth. In Romans 8 and verse 18, Paul said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul revealed or listed some of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25. He said, From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. And he goes on and on and on about others things that Paul endured simply for being a faithful Christian. But notice what he wrote in the same letter a little bit earlier in the letter. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17. He said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. As Paul was receiving 39 stripes across his back, Paul says that's a light affliction. It's only for a moment. It's not going to last. Shouldn't even be brought up when compared to heaven. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 16. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice. To the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter. Peter's trying to help us 
to stay faithful. Yes, there's going to be some hard times. But we ought to glorify God. Knowing that this is leading us to heaven. If Satan were allowed to take away one by one the physical blessings that God has allowed you to have, taking them away one at a time, how many would have to be taken away before you quit serving God? What does God have to give you in this life to keep you on his side? Isn't heaven enough to keep us faithful to God? Going back to Job, Job 13 and verse 15. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you have that kind of faith in God? If God were to kill me, I still will trust in him. Job 19, verses 25 and 26 said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and I shall stand at last on the earth, and after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Do you have that kind of faith in God's promises? Paul did. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 12, he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. God can deliver us from hardships in this life. But even if he does not, it's still worth it to serve him. Nebuchadnezzar threatened to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into a fiery furnace. Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. They were determined to keep their commitment to God regardless of the circumstances. The church at Smyrna, the Lord said in Revelation 2 and verse 10, Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you a crown of life. The church at Thyatira, and the Lord said in Revelation 2 and verse 26, He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. Do we trust God's promises? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Our labor is never for nothing when we serve God. 
rest assured, God will keep his promises. Rest assured, if we remain faithful to him, we will have a home in heaven. The question is, are we willing to remain faithful to him? Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The Lord wants you to remain faithful to him. Will you answer him, yes, Lord, yes. If you've not been faithful, if you've had a difficult time, we would love to pray with you and for you. To help you to say to him, yes, Lord, yes. If you're ready to become a Christian tonight, we'd love to help you with that as well. If you'll come now while we stand and as we sing.